The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Hello everybody and welcome to the next edition of the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast. He's Ben Beadle, he's the Landlord. And she's Tessa Shepherdson, she's the Lawyer. And today we have um, we have an interesting guest. We're venturing into um, a sort of green economy and um, retrofit issues. Um, so um, tell us about our guest, Ben. Yeah, we are lucky to have uh, Jonathan Warren. He's the chief executive of an organisation called uh, Lacalis, and uh, the NRLA have been working uh, with them uh, alongside uh, Property Mark to produce a report on energy efficiency. Um, and particularly those in low viability uh, properties. You know, we both know, Tessa, that this is an area of concern uh, for landlords in terms of the direction of travel. Um, and hopefully this piece of research that Jonathan's going to speak to us about uh, will help advance the debate and put minds at rest. OK, well, let's move on to the interview then. <laughs> everybody and uh, we're very excited to have as our special guest today Jonathan Warren who is going to be talking to us about a report prepared by his organization but first of all Jonathan can you tell us a bit about your organization and what it does? Good morning Tessa well firstly thank you very much for having me on today's show yeah um, we, I'm Jonathan Warren Chief Executive of Lacarnis. We are an independent think tank that specialises in place. What do I mean by that? Oh, essentially, we, we, no, we, we're localists. We make the calls that sense of place, sense of local identity should be at the very heart of what can be a very centralised, top-down, anonymous policy making we have in this country, which perhaps fuels people's sense of being in some places left behind or neglected. So we're, we're place obsessive. We're um, and we, we generate original independent research looking into all aspects of place, whether it's local economies, local public services, um, anything from how we, from our recent output, how we should go about levelling up pubs so they remain strong community anchor institutions, the role of places in the country, which is the report for Oxford City Council on its setting in the local Oxcam arc, as well as national context and most recently um, in time for the party conference season we wrote a report building communities planning for a clean and good growth future looking at how we could use and adapt our existing planning system for good growth net zero growth as well as making sure that existing communities are happy with the new communities that are going to have to be built around them if we're going to have um, enough homes to populate the country so that's what we do independent place focused research yeah i saw the i saw the word neo-localism in mm. the report and i have to say that anything with neo in the word does tend to slightly make my eyes glaze over but um... unless it's neapolitan ice cream uh Tessa, well that's okay case. yes i don't <laughs> mind that <laughs> Or, or, or indeed protagonist from the Matrix series of films <laughs> I, I put you to. Um, essentially, essentially, we're about place and localism, but we're not about parochialism, um, being, being small-minded or narrow in our view. Look, we live in an increasingly globalised, interdependent world as certain shortages, difficulties are making clear. So really, 
how do we use that sense of place to create a truly peaceful global world and you know, a vision of, in which you know, well, you know, we can respect you know, what we've got at the moment and also take care of future generations too who will be very impacted by uh, by climate change. So it's, 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 a, um, it's, a, it's a, a vision rooted in place, rooted in how you know, the everyday, the ordinary, the local, I mean, it's hugely um, interdependent with the world outside and by making change in our local area, we can you know, affect global change, perhaps beyond our imagination sometimes. Mm. I mean, I, I understand that so far as the, 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 the carbon issue is concerned, it's, it's like a bath, isn't it? So when you, when, you get, when you fill up to the top of the bath and it overflows, then that's bad news. But everything that we can do to prevent the bath filling up is um is beneficial very much so no there's um you should never underestimate what your own individual community local contribution can be uh i think there's so many people today feel very disempowered uh no um by you know what can i do to actually affect any change no it breeds disaffection cynicism or worse, but I think when we when we when we look at what we can do from our from our own individual viewpoint, from a, a local community area based thing, you, you realise that you know, the the the, the, the if, if if you're guided by a sense of vision and purpose, whether it's you know, cleaning up your public realm, um, beautifying your high street, or having you know, a, a more connected society in which you know, you're reaching out to isolated people no individual actions with purpose are are truly revolutionary not um being you know being a pessimist on the sidelines i'm always um with um, i think there's a quote i always use from gk chesterton who said um no the uh, only the optimist is the real revolutionary pessimism's ten a penny but to see the good in people or situations yeah. is a truly heroic local act Interesting, and uh, and uh, very much uh, admire your optimism and uh, positive out uh, outlook, at, at Jonathan. Um, maybe I might move us on to the report that uh, that our two organisations um, have have been involved in, um, which is looking at energy efficiency in the housing sector and particularly low viability properties. Um, do you want to give us a, maybe a, a little bit of an overview of the of the lagging behind um, report? Yes, no, very, very, thanks, very, very grateful to. Now, clearly this week, there'll be 12 days away from COP26 and with, with great good timing today that the government's long-awaited uh, heat and building strategies released. This report was was written not with that in mind. It's written with that in mind, but it's not dependent on what's in in, in the government strategy. We've got no, we want a local response to to this, um, and so. But the, the, but it's no always beneficial timing to have that kind of um, coincidence. I think the salient fact, Ben and Tessa, is that um, the, the strategy what it makes clear the scale of the challenge, and especially from our, our concern at the Carlis at the level of place. I think it's a salient fact that even by 2050, 30 years down the line, we're still going to be living mostly in the homes that are already built in, in existence today. That will be you know, around 80 percent of homes, maybe more. So government housing targets aren't being met at the moment as a result of COVID and uh, um, 
difficulties in the supply chain. Um, so what's this mean? It means we're going to have to uh, make use of what we have um, and rising to the challenge of adapting our existing dwellings to the energy efficient technologies, primarily heat pump technologies. Um, looking at this in the round, domestic energy use accounts for around 14% of overall emissions and the overwhelming majority of homes, more than 90% in England, are using fossil fuels. So I think that gives the important context to this week's announcement. As things stand, retrofit isn't happening at anything like the pace or scale needed to hit national decarbonisation targets, hence big government strategy, bang, here it comes. So, so look, despite the ambitious rhetoric, in 2020, we installed, I'm happy to make a guess, what, what do you think the percentage was of um, um, heat pumps? Very small, I would have thought. Half How a percent. <laughs> it, was, it was 6%, 6% of an annual target of 600,000. Um, they want to have by 2028. And this isn't the only target we're um, dread, what's the name of the report, lagging behind. 9% of cavity wall insulations, less than 3% of loft insulation, and 2% of solid wall insulation. So the, this is the challenge. We're massively behind. We're country mile behind already, and the gun's already been fired to start us. Um, well, that's interesting. If I might just jump in there, John, because... Um, you know, obviously, we have had initiatives over the past few years, well, certainly the past year with the Green Homes Grant that was focused around uh, primarily, uh, well, primary measures around insulation and, and, and cavity wall. But that's, it's interesting that there still remains such a low um, compliance or uptake of the, of, of the grants that were available in the past to do just that. Uh, don't tempt me, Ben. I used to be a former Whitehall correspondent, always like a, a good um, government initiative, which is always, as they say, doomed to success. But when it falls off the rails, like the Green Homes Grant, you look at the autopsy, see what the National Audit Office have to say, and you think, well, well clearly they're working under pressure at a time of immense threat. But clearly, um, uh, we, we can't have another flopperoo on the scale of that again. This is about public confidence. Um, in you no know, technologies that are difficult. If you listen to the Stay program today uh, on Radio 4, um, we're going to have to roll this out in a way that works at pace. That you no, know, and I think that the case study they had today was in terms of um, getting the electricity working, just changing um, the wattage of a place. They're taking, they're making a, a four-week process last fourteen weeks and beyond. We know we, the, the government has to instill confidence in its strategy, and this has to be felt at the level of place in our localities. Um, where, 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 where nothing spreads faster than bad news, we find in life, don't we? So if, if people are, that everyone's experience of this is a nightmare, um, but you no, know, it, it's got to happen because you're not going to have gas boilers beyond for 2025 or whenever. Um, the, the public reaction will be very bad. Um, it's going to you know, retard, slow uptake even further. So government's got to get this right. And and do you I see... Could... Sorry, Tessa, please. I'm going to 
a slight spanner in the works because, um, I mean, we're with Ecotricity and um, Daryl Vince, who runs Ecotricity, says that they can make gas from grass and they're actually setting up um, um, a centre, I think it's in Berkshire somewhere, where they're going to be doing that. And he says that a large amount of green gas could be created from grass. Um, I think he's been lobbying ministers about that. Um, so it may be that gas isn't entirely out of the question. Maybe not. I think obviously the, the government has to be open to any viable technologies which bring about decarbonisation. Clearly, the ministers and officials they they, they have their their favourites. They they get the advice as to what what's most um, likely to deliver over over the time periods concerned. Um, so yes, they're, 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 I think a, th a thousand flowers have to bloom in that Maoist phase test. We have we have to be revolutionaries on this. And and Jonathan, maybe you know, going back to the the report itself. What are your findings? What would you what would you like to see? You know, we we understand the scale of the the problem, we understand the government direction. Um, how do you see this this panning out? What should government do to achieve the aspirations that they want to achieve? Well, Ben, as I said at the outset, we're a place focused, place obsessed think tank, and I think one important factor we can't overlook are the huge regional variations in property costs when they're offering incentives to homeowners and landlords to retrofit their properties to meet these stringent national net zero targets. And I think what's at stake here is, unless we make a case for place and difference in place, we risk deepening economic equality. It becomes a, a tale of two cities or two nations. So in our report, put to be published on Thursday, 21st of October, lagging behind, energy efficiency and low viability properties. We're urging the government to give serious consideration to the impact of regional variability in house prices and dwelling stock when installing heat pumps to hit these targets. I'll tell you why. In the course of our research, the Carlis uncovered the fact that in some areas of the North and Midlands, what we call typical red wall seats where the Conservatives may have gained uh, constituencies for the first time ever in the 2019 election. In vast ways, the North and Midlands, the estimated costs of improving home energy can be around a quarter of property values. Um, why is this important? Well, um, in other parts of London and more affluent southeast, uh, retrofitting with heat pump technology represents maybe less than 2% of property values. So talking about vast difference. So the Redwood example we cite in the report, Burnley um, became conserved in 2019, nearly four in five dwellings which need to attain the EPC grade C standard. The standard retrofitting costs, 24,000, are about a quarter of median house prices of just under £100,000. Compare and contrast with the Royal London Borough of Kensington and Chelsea in K and C, median house prices are one million three hundred thirteen seventeen thousand pounds five hundred. Um, so retrofitting costs basically are one point eight percent of overall property values. Um, so that so that this is going to affect how we fund, how we finance, how different sectors are able to borrow to meet retrofitting costs. We think it's 
it's, it's, it's absolutely crucial, Ben, as will be the issue of how different tenure types may affect the process. One way of looking at this would be, um, I mean, so far as filling up the bath is concerned, any property that reduces the, the carbon it emits is of, is of value for, in, in the total scheme of things. So if the higher value, um, the, the people who can afford the higher prices do it first, that's, that's still going to be important. And through doing that, that technology will become, uh, will become better and over time the price will reduce so that um, we can sort of get it down um, so that the other people can afford it perhaps a few years later. I think you make a very, very astute point there, Tessa, like with electric vehicles, there is this kind of paradigm, which is, um, it is what it is, more, more affluent people adopt technologies and that goes down the line to all the upper sort of middle classes, and then it becomes standard as something to, to attain. Look at electric vehicles, for example, and look how much they cost maybe five years ago. Now they're kind of run of the mill almost, and production is being geared towards this. There is this um, trickle down from the elite to kind of mainstream affordability. And I guess you know, talking of similar examples, we, um, two years ago, the car list researched electric vehicle and in terms of the infrastructure for recharging uh, for a Scottish energy company. And there we found essentially the same problem. Uh, Difficulty there was off-gem off the regulator were preventing the ability to invest ahead of demand. So there, though, there was a real risk of a tale of two cities. The, the, easy, the early investment would go to more affluent parts of town where you, know, you, you can see an economic case for installing more charging points, which is going to leave kind of the, um, the, other, side of, the other side of the tracks uh, less, less capable of investment. And you can see quite in, exciting, though, two or three years down the line, um, there, it's... Um, it's not a case of that. The government will intervene to install charging points to make sure and there is a market failure. Everyone has more or less universal access to EV charging. So, yeah, I could see a similar thing working here with retrofit, um, um, and especially types of property, too, because clearly um, the more Victorian Edwardian, the older stock, is going to be far more of a pickle to deal with. Um, and more modern stocks. So I think that this will be a, a graded situation, but it's, um, uh, and, 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 and I, I can see the element of that being nuancing, but the, the, the argument sticks, which is by um, the way you've got such a mismatch between the overall cost of retrofitting and property cost, um, that, that will need to be addressed and bridged in some shape or form, especially um, moving towards 2028, 2030. And Jonathan, just to sort of pick up on that point, I mean, yeah, crudely, this is about who pays and how much, right? Um, you know, in terms of the, the the direction of travel, I think one of the things that you've set out in uh, or that's been set out in the report is sort of more localized funding mechanisms for retrofit. So, you know, does that is that designed to kind of, you know, address the the point that you raise about 
different house prices uh, across the country and having slightly different schemes that are either more generous or less generous depending on the the need in that area yeah essentially the the, the, the dread phrase i from from local governments is one size doesn't fit all you hear it all the time i try and write a write a, write a red line to it but it, it, it's true in this case a one size fits all approach to retrofitting that doesn't take into account the variability in house prices, types of tenure, types of authority, um, will essentially delay the, um, the, the progress we need to, to reach the, the net zero target. So our, what we're looking for is a more collaborative approach in areas where property, property prices are low um, to, to encourage collaboration among local authorities between themselves, with their local economic anchors, private sector partners, uh, property property organisations, um, to uh, essentially what we're arguing is for, you know, to create, make this as simple, as straightforward as you can. Um, in, in terms of public services, the difficulty is, uh, who do I reach out to? You know, there, there's so many different points of contact. Keep it a simplified, one-stop shop approach, um, to the ventures amongst councils and a single point of contact to engage with landlords, to engage with partners. And what we think this would do, Ben and Tessa, we think it would enable to us to retrofit at pace, to make use of the benefits of aggregated scale and demand, and not not to, and, and uniquely not to, to impose local top-down solutions, but use that aggregated demand to devise bespoke local place sensitive solutions that meet local needs and in many cases personal circumstances no not not all properties we know are the same there'll be many difficulties many challenges to be overcome but through collaboration and that process of learning and the ability to do things at scale we think these are challenges that can be readily overcome i mean one of the important things is people to actually do the retrofitting uh, and I, I understand that there is a, a shortage of, of trade persons to, to actually carry out the work. Um, I mean, is, are you proposing a, a sort of national training schemes? I mean, how's that going to be dealt with? Very personal question, Tessa. Um, so looking at this, I mean, there's so many skills shortages at the moment, HGV drivers being the most prominent, but it's quite, quite telling looking at... Um, housing targets over the next couple of years we're not going to build anything like 300,000 a year due to skill shortages materials shortages and the same will apply to retrofitting unless 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 and our solution is a local solution you'd be surprised to learn uh so in terms of skills knowing your local labor market local authorities local enterprise partnerships are better at doing this than bays in in Whitehall um they're closer to the ground they understand their community they've got the chance to have better relationships with further education colleges and institutes which uh to which there's a lot more emphasis being given by the current government which is a a good thing we need though further education has been the cinderella of public services beyond all measure for far too long I suppose also local, um, local authorities will have an idea of the type of properties in their area so they can direct. I mean, 
my, my house is um, it has a solid wall. It's over 100 years old. Um, and, you know, if there, if there is an awful lot of, of that type of property in, a, in an area, they could perhaps um, help develop training targeted at the housing type in their specific area. That's very much the case, Tessa. The councils, nets, they know their place, they know their people. Um, they've, they've got a fix on the, 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 the types of dwellings they have, where people live. And, and circumstances. So our recommendation, look, in keeping with the government's own strategy on the skills for jobs white paper, local authorities should seize the space, dominate the heights, work collaboratively between themselves on a sub-regional level we recommend, and develop local retrofit job strategies. Um, how they go about it, what they need to consider, well they need to devise robust strategies that will understand, as you said, the local retrofit context around not just skills, but also crucially supply chain opportunities. And this can you know, inform um, the green skills aspect of what they've got to do already, their local skills improvement plans. So this is all congruent with what Quasi Quarte and Bayes want. Let, no, let councils work together to collaborate, understanding their, the retrofit challenge, the skills, the properties and all the rest of it. Um, we also think you know, there, um, there are a number of tools councils, local authorities can use to devise these strategies, and they ought to be used as a starting point uh, for, especially for neighbouring authorities in areas of low property. Now we're talking about you know, properties of a hundred thousand or below in some parts of the north, northeast, and midlands um, to really tackle. Um, um, through frameworks that are practical and would deliver um, through our, our recommendations a one-stop shop so there's you know, a simple one port of call to go to, one telephone call, one website, one directory to make this happen at the level of place. So collaboration, knowledge of skills, of people and properties is our, our recommendation for the local Yeah, because at the moment, if you if you want to retrofit your property, it's very difficult to know where to go or what to do. Um, I mean, we've been <clears throat> my services has a local authority directory and my assistant's been going through looking at all the, um, the grants and things provided by local authorities. And it, it's quite difficult often to find anything at all. Um, often the pages cite the green grants scheme that has now, you know, gone down Died. the toilet. Um, and um, I don't know. Um, I mean, with the with the COVID disaster, the government liked to keep everything to itself. It didn't particularly want to delegate things to local authorities. I mean, will we have this problem with the retrofit? Do you think? Um, I, I mean, make me tut tut. Well, <laughs> I'm upset. No, my, 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 as a former Whitehall correspondent, columnist, no sort of central local relations has always been kind of as of my my kind of strong suit that'd be my mastermind specialist subject what we saw in covid is simply unrepeatable you can't have such a dearth a lack of trust between the center and localities uh you know in in that context it was if those central government didn't understand or have the knowledge that for 150 years we'd had quite an advanced mature public health system in this country from so the mid, no, mid victorian era which is the envy of what well, used to be the envy of the world, 
Um, and we don't, um, so we, we, if we want things to fail, we continue as they are. If we want things to succeed, I think we need a mature relationship in which central government understands how local government can make things stick, make things cohere. It's not glamorous. It's called you know, local government's convening role, but they can get people together, private landlords, social landlords, major economic anchors, um, other neighbouring authorities and businesses, they can make things happen. So I think what I'd like for central government to do to support this, I think clarity of information is going to be key. Um, and um, there doesn't seem to be for the private rental sector amongst others, particularly high awareness of what what's being demanded here, what's being asked of. And there isn't a great deal of clear, concise, understandable information on how such targets to be met and the support that's available. So um, as with other big government campaigns, I think the benchmark ones like, you know, think of public health and AIDS back in the 80s, um, make it very clear, make, it, make the incentives understandable, give long-term clarity on the timelines involved on this um, to ensure you know, so that the private sector can do its part in, in retrofitting, make it clear, concise would be our biggest ask to base. Because at, at the moment, Jonathan, there's only an indication that um, uh, you know it sh properties need to be a C by 2025. So, uh, you know, uh, are you suggesting that 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 need to be uh, confirmed, be it earlier, later, or the or the or the same date, in order to focus minds? Um, make the target. No, Targets have to be clear, they have to be achievable, realistic, if they're to be targets. Um, no, clearly, everyone today will be pouring through the entrails of the heat and building strategy to find, to find a sign. But essentially, this will, will require a concerted campaign informa information. And clearly, campaigning's changed radically, in our, in, even in our lifetimes. Um, but I think it's also very clear that you mentioned COVID, that, that the use of government marketing spend to get messages across so um if if there's you know, the will if there's the budget uh I, th I think there could be a very short um sharp campaign to uh make it very clear to an entire swathe of homeowners landlords across the spectrum what their you know, what their duty is so if i think about the the classic you no know, kitchener you know, your country needs you i following you around the room post there's you know, something similar perhaps with quasi quarting doesn't it doesn't one of the problems for specifically for landlords though mm -hmm. is i understand that landlords are going to be expected to um retrofit their properties to um a sort of a c standard before the rest of the population but the problem is landlords don't always have the finance to do that. And of course, they personally often won't reap the benefit from it because the people who will have the lower um, energy bills will be their tenants, not them. So that's a bit of a problem, isn't it, Ben? Yeah. And, you know, I don't I was at a trade show at, at the weekend um, uh, talking about this sort of subject. And you know, landlords are accepting that they've got a part to play. Um, uh, but many of them, you know, we, we touched on the sort of older Victorian uh, property earlier where, you know, having done your, 
your you know, your your low hanging fruit, your insulation and uh, uh, lighting. Actually, the only things that are kind of left for them to do are things like solar panels and um, uh, internal or external cladding, and uh, and maybe you know uh, uh, boilers potentially into um, uh, air source heat heat pumps. But you know those things combined will add up to a not insignificant cost and I think that's the worry that a, a lot of uh, private rented sector landlords will have not just the cost but what any cap might be what help uh, might could or should uh, exist and you know whether it then becomes a viable option against the backdrop of a diminishing sort of housing supply to you know to continue in that sector so you know the the, the report itself in terms of you know talking about the recommendations talk a, talk a lot of sense i think one of the things why the green homes grant failed was the lack of localism when it came to things like contractors uh, um you know and i think there's a, as you say tessa local authorities will know or should know um, where those difficult homes are. But I do think that the, the timeframes that are muted for individual landlords um, uh, stacked up against the cost are going to be a barrier that is, is, is going to need to be overcome. And we've seen today, you know, the the, the strategy that has been announced, uh, um, you know, the headline is a £5,000 contribution um, uh, in the hope that no gas boilers will be sold after 2035. Um, Jonathan, you sort of spoke about sort of clear deadlines. I mean, that to me, dare I say, it sounds slightly vague and, 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 and wishy-washy. It's not a commitment that all uh, gas boilers should be gone by 2035. It's, it's hope that the price will come down and a 5K kickback will work. But I think, you know, if you are a portfolio landlord, um, you know, there are some there are some real challenges around retrofit, not least, you know, how you do them with the tenants in there um, uh, as, a, as, as a starter. It wasn't really a question, more of an observation, I guess, Jonathan. I another classical. observation, another observation, which I haven't seen put anywhere else, is um, some tenants um, will resist um, improvements because it was out in their rent going up. I mean, I'm thinking in particular, there aren't that many protected tenants left, but they have a fair rent. And the only way that you can increase a fair rent substantially is to improve the property. So if you've got tenants in there on a fixed income, they're not going to want the property improved because that'll be a trigger for their rents to be increased, which they can't afford. So they may end up being homeless. I see that as being quite a big problem. Yeah. yeah. Any, any observations on those? Uh, on my points, uh, Jonathan and, and, and Tessa's, because you must have come across this in terms of the sort of you know, research that was done in, in preparation for the report? Yeah, it's, it's that kind of, you know, we have a vein, though, this cuts to the heart of it, this you know, difficult forked issue of split incentives. Um, who, who, who's, who's benefiting? Who's going to fund this? Who's going to finance it? Or even you know, down, to, you know, down to the level of homes, if you've got sort of a, sort of a a house divided into flats, you know, the, the guy on the ground floor is going to have to cede more space for the technology in, in the first instance too, which could cause, there's so many you know, um, problems as a very you know, local, in many cases, hyper-local <laughs> down, to, down to property scale. And this it just re-emphasizes our case that um, for, no, you know, it, it, retrofitting is a multiplicity of, of individual Headaches spread across an area. Um, we, we, you know, we need to deal with the finances of it. 
um, to incentivize it to ensure protection of tenants, as well as surety of uh, the asset for private landlords too, because uh, without a strong private rented sector, um, you know, what, what other play areas can take can take up the slack? I don't think social housing has the capacity at current build out build out rate. So I think it's got to be. Uh, uh, it, we've got, it, there's so many nuances, so many problems, which you know this suggests, suggests, suggests that the, the system in place has to be intensely local, localist in its nature. Uh, it, 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 we've got the other question too: How does this deliver value for money? You think about um, I, I do intently. You, know, you mentioned the green home fit out, and no elements of central government waste or you know, big big incentive schemes that had either perverse incentives or failed to tackle things at all. You know, Money can be a very precious commodity. On At the end of the month, we've got the budget and the spending review coming out at the same time as each other. Um, uh, no, money is going to be a precious resource. How we know we use this at, um, at the level of place to, to achieve so many um, outcomes, uh, it, just the simple fact of deploying more efficient energy technology is going to have no knock-on effects. I'm thinking, though, local authorities, no, no, Tess is raising the case about um, issue of no tenant safety protection. Now, what's this going to mean for extra social care provision? What's it going to mean for knock-on for no, vague hard press councils, um, homelessness provision? Uh, now, there's, there's so many elements, so it, it's... It's, you know, it's such a knotty, knotty problem um, that there's, um, you know, we, we've got to take it from the perspective of how can we deliver um, this in the best possible way that protects multiple interests, financial, social, as well as environmental, and that aren't going to be you know, identical pat answers. Mm. And many of them are going to have to go down to the level of type of area and subset you know, area within within place mm. there's there's also of course the problem about um taxation and vat i mean you have low vat when you buy coal but not if you install a solar panel so um i mean i'm hoping that the government is going to sort those anomalies out have you had any feedback on that uh, no I, I don't have my secret scroll line to the treasury on, on that particular one test but it's um clearly no there's no the other end to spending is, is taxation uh with those you know, the treasury will need to be plugging uh quite a sizable gap into where it's you no know, got money from carbon sources coal oil gas and all the all, all the rest of it uh no what's the annual government expenditure but it's beating um, more than a trillion every every every, every year. Um, um, they're going to have to be feathers to be plucked. It's just in that great. You know, that was, uh, who was it? What did Louis the Fourteenth uh, finance minister say? And it's about you know, plucking the goose with the minimum of hissing. I think with retrofitting, you know, the, the, how much? You no, know, the, 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 there will have to be quite an element of hissing um, for this. But you know, at what point does um, the, the, no plucking, plucking the, the feathers become unviable for landlords, mm. private, social, all the rest of it. When does it become uh, uh, um, 
and especially this is why in terms of price variation you can see in the southeast it might be quite run-of-the-mill thing to leverage the value of your property to undergo a very decent retrofit quality standard that's going to keep the property net zero for decades to come but how's this going to work in Sunderland or Burnley as well as in Guildford and Kensington and Chelsea yes because if if you're in a um, one of those red wall areas where the value of the property is less and the cost of the retrofit is is um, proportionally higher those landlords many most landlords tend to own just a few properties and those landlords won't be able to afford that I mean you know a landlord who uses their property as their pension you know can't afford to spend their entire income from the property on retrofitting it that would mean a year without an income so they 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 won't be able to afford to be landlords which means that that property might be taken out of the private rented sector altogether which would mean less available rented properties for low-income families in that area so that's another problem issue that 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 could follow what do you reckon then yeah no i agree uh, yeah all of these things as jonathan has alluded to that they're, they're all intrinsically linked um you know at the end of the day uh, this comes down to a very in my view this comes down to a very crude measure of how much will it cost and who pays for it and and um uh, you know once we get through obviously from our perspective you know we would you know landlords are happy to contribute but they will need some support in order to you know to do these types of things but there comes a very real um uh, challenge i think that where's the sweet spot where's the tipping point you know uh, what should the contribution uh, uh be um and things like you know uh the tax discussion that you mentioned earlier, Tessa, um, the availability of homes, you know, it, it is a sweet spot that needs to be f- to be found, because if we're not careful, we'll have, um, you know, a lot more en- energy efficient uh, homes, but a smaller private rented sector with, you know, kind of less to go round um, or a, you know, a death by a thousand cuts. I don't think we're going to see a mass exodus, uh, but there will clearly be some individuals that think, you know what? Uh, you know, I can't afford 20 grand to do all of these things. And, you know, I'm going to keep the money under the mattress and I'm going to sell it. Now, if that property goes back into the private rented sector or the social sector or the rented sector, should we say, um, then all fine and dandy. But, you know, we have the same pack of cards. You know, as Jonathan said at the outset, government are not really achieving their home building uh, targets and they're certainly not delivering to the scale that is needed so you know it, it, it almost feels like it's the it's the same 52 uh, uh, cards that are just being reshuffled um, each time but I, I think Jonathan you know I think the report is a helpful contributor towards that that debate uh, and frankly this is something that's going to rumble and rumble and rumble you know we've started to see some headlines from um, the the building strategy uh, uh, this morning, and the the, the key one is that the five thousand contribution, a uh, five thousand pound contribution towards uh, um, uh, a heat pump in lieu of uh, um, uh, a, a boiler. But already we're starting to see uh, comments that that isn't enough, and I think uh, the report itself will be a helpful contributor towards certainly the local element and how we get that pace and scale that we need. To our listeners, I will put a link to uh, to the report 
on the uh, on on the web page and the landlord and lawyer podcast web page so if anybody wants to download and read it they will be able to do it there where else can they find it jonathan they can find it on the Nakalis website we'll be tweeting it out on the day if you follow our twitter tag at Nakalis. um otherwise anyone who wants to know more please email the Carlis info at Localis, local is dot org dot uk we're very pleased to hear from you with your views on this as i said it's emerging agenda so as ben said the reports coming out of the week of the heat and building strategy it doesn't have all the answers to that you know we, the, the lead in we're writing in in the run-up to this but i think it hopefully sparks an important debate about how we protect housing supply and we protect more vulnerable less affluent parts of the country um most particularly so th- thank you on behalf of everyone at the car list thanks for colleagues at nrla for the opportunity to look at this vital place at um area of um, national policy and tessa thank you for the ability to have dialogue and exchange this morning to help share share the message okay thank you very much for being our guest pleasure thank you thanks jonathan very interesting discussion what did you make of it yeah really interesting um you know no silver bullet uh in 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 this report you know we we it it confirms the issues um that we know about but uh, i'm interested to see um the recommendations that say a more uh localized approach to um upgrading uh, properties and supportive uh, funding and I think that's sensible because as you and I both know Tessa that's one of the complexities of the now deceased Green Homes grant that worked really poorly um, you know a centralized uh, body and nationalized list of contractors that frankly charged too much and really didn't know the areas at all so I think there's some sensible suggestions in this but I don't think um, you know it, it has all of the answers and I think um, you know we, we we're going to see things from the heat and uh, building strategy uh, uh, and COP26 that um, I think are going to keep this on the agenda for a little while yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit worried about the government not wanting to delegate things to local authorities because they seem to like to clutch things close to their chest. And I I can see that as being a bit of a problem because, as you say, it it really needs to be local because, you know, there's so many differences across the country. No, that's absolutely right. And that's, you know, the the report really homes in on this. And for those uh, listeners um, uh, that want to see the report, it will be available on uh, the website, uh, uh, both NRLA and the Landlord and Lawyer podcast. But yeah, it, it, it is an issue. But I think that the, the biggest issue that remains really for, for landlords is how quickly, you know, the, the proposal of 2025 and EPC rating uh, C is something that worries uh, a lot of in, individuals. And, yeah. um, you know, the report certainly makes the case for uh, support and funding and a localised approach to you know, upgrading homes, and that's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, how quickly are we going to have to do it? Uh, and what specific help is going to be available uh, for those property owners, be them uh, private rented sector landlords or, or, or homeowners? You know, uh, we're all going to need to take some steps. That was the point that Jonathan raised. Um, you yeah, know, we're all going to need to contribute here. And um, yeah, we're all going to need to chip yeah. in to the cost, I think. 
Yeah, although building works always cost more than you think they're going to. No, and but the other thing is, it's how uh, and you touched on this is how it all dovetails with the fiscal and taxation environment, how it fits with you know the other things that we've spoken about, things like repossession, because actually, if um, you know, if landlords are going to be compelled uh, to upgrade, um, those that do so may well need um, to ask their tenants to leave whilst they're able to do things like internal um, wall insulation and solar panels and that sort of stuff. It all sounds very, very messy to me, that sort of yeah. stuff. And I wouldn't want to do that with a, a tenant in situ. So at some point, all of these things have got to come together. But, you know, the government must, mustn't overlook that, um, you know, landlords and property owners will need uh, support to help achieve their aspirations. Uh, squeeze us too much and that will be you know for some the final nail in the coffin that sees them put their money under the mattress or in premium bonds but if it works then hopefully the national um, housing stock will be greatly improved which uh, well I mean it'll help the national health service won't it uh, well, for it, a start it, it, true absolutely and you know uh, over certainly the, the medium term um, you know, the asset will be improved. So, you know, landlords won't be losing out um, uh, over the medium term, one would, one, would, one would hope. But there are some things that we need to get in place to enable a realistic transition to EPC rating at C or above. Uh, and, you know, one of those things that's touched on on the report is the availability of, of tradespeople to actually do the work. So I know that 2025 was muted and it's 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 at the time of writing or, or speaking rather or recording. It's not been <laughs> uh, it's not changed uh, from 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 that. But we, we wait and see what those timescales will be because they will need to give property owners time uh, to comply. Yeah. OK, well, we'll have to wait and see. So um, I, think that's, uh, I think that's all we can say at the moment, other than to a very grateful thanks to uh, our speaker. Um, and um, we'll be back next month with another talk on something we haven't decided on yet. Possibly energy again, though. Who knows? Energy. <laughs> we, we do want to do more um, podcasts on the, on the energy side because it is going to be so important. So um, watch this space. And see you next time, folks. See you next time.